be open to the reality that a God who scattered our people around the earth knows who and where we are. And when we think of our Jewish people, that needs to include communities who don't look, think, pray, etc., like we do. If they are who they say they are, there are brethren in the house of Israel. There are fellow Jewish people. Welcome to A Jew and a Gentile Discuss. I'm your co-host, Carly Berna. And I'm Ezra Benjamin. We're a Jew and a Gentile who both believe in Jesus and believe that there's value in looking at history as well as today's world in the headlines through both a Jewish and a Christian lens. If you've been listening to this podcast for the past couple of episodes or seasons, you've probably heard us talk about the lost tribes, and maybe you don't know what that is or you want more information. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today and explain it more and even use some biblical reference as well as Ezra's personal story. But before we do that, um, we want to talk about, like we've done in other podcasts, that we actually go and help these specific communities that are all around the world that you probably may not know exist living in some of the most remote parts of this world. We actually bring them physical care as well as spiritual care. Uh, There's more details on our website if you're interested in reading about it. Um, And as a thank you for partnering with us, we'll send you some coffee from Ethiopia, which is one of the communities we've helped for decades. Um, And so if you stay tuned to the end of this podcast, you can win that coffee for free perhaps and we'll give you those details at the end of the podcast so let's discuss so Ezra when you hear the term lost tribes or someone hears the term lost tribes it might sound like the next movie from Indiana Jones right the history and the mystery of the lost tribes of Israel kind of thing, right? right? It's it could spooky, be, it's... Uh, it could be the next Hollywood film. Right. So, you know, unpack this. What is this? Is, is this real? Is it just some mystery that's so vague and far away that we can't really, you know, understand? Right. And let me say at the outset, you know, we, we're using the term lost tribes because that's maybe most accessible or even though it's not really a topic that's discussed much in the world headlines, in the Christian community, even in the mainstream Jewish community, it's the term that's most likely to be recognized. Right? Oh yeah, I've heard of the lost tribes kind of thing. And the reason I have a problem with that is because that implies that they were lost to the Lord or somehow didn't know where they were or who they were. And what we're going to talk about in a few minutes is that I would propose, in fact, they've never been lost to the Lord, right? That he's remembered them throughout the centuries, really actually millennia in many of their stories right now. And also, Carly, they've never been lost to themselves. They never stopped understanding we come from the historic people of Israel or we come from the land of Israel. But I'm getting ahead of myself. So uh, if you hear me use the term scattered Jewish communities here interchangeably with lost tribes, that's why I'm doing it. Because I think lost, while popular and intriguing, you know, for a National Geographic special is a bit of a misnomer. So anyway, scattered Jewish communities is what we're talking about today. Uh, And we'll talk about one specific community or a couple actually as case studies. But before we do that, let me answer your question. And, you know, maybe our listeners are going, okay, like you said, Indiana Jones, National Geo special, but for real, like, come on, like, is this, is this legitimate or is this wishful thinking? Are you trying to create Jewish communities out of, you know, for whatever reason where they don't actually exist? 
Uh, are there actually communities that have lived in remote parts of the world that have preserved like in a, a historic Jewish or historic Israelite identity for now two to three millennia? Like, is that is that legitimate? And I think to answer that question, we need to go back to the Bible itself, okay? Which, if you're a Christian listening to this podcast, or if you're Jewish or you have a Jewish background, I hope we can agree that at least the Old Testament, okay, or what the, what the Jewish community would call the Jewish scriptures, the Jewish Bible, uh, is, if you can't agree that it's uh, the living word of God, you know, uh, th- at least you can agree it's a reliable historic document, okay? But I'm going to propose that it's actually written, inspired by the Spirit of God through men who worshiped the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob uh, as they were moved to write, and that it is uh, a document, more than a document, that's very much alive and active and is still as true today as it was in the days when it was written. So uh, go with me on that for a moment, and I want to look first at uh, a passage from Ezekiel. Now, right away, half of our audience is going, Ezekiel, yeah, Valley of Dry Bones. I've heard Bethel sing about that. Don't know much more. But let's let's do a little bit deeper dive, right? Uh, so Ezekiel chapter 11, it says this, and I'm reading from verse 16 and 17. It says this, Therefore say, okay, this is uh, God speaking to, to Ezekiel. In essence, write it down, Ezekiel. It says, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Although I sent them... And this is Israel. This is the people of Israel, the children of Israel, okay? Although I sent them far away among the nations and scattered them among the countries, yet for a little while I've been a sanctuary for them in the countries where they've gone. And then verse 17 says, Therefore say, this is what the sovereign Lord says, I, the Lord, will gather you from the nations and bring you back from the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you back the land of Israel again. And there's other passages, Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 37. God, talks, God, God speaks through Jeremiah that I'm going to regather the whole house of Israel from all the places where they've been scattered. Isaiah 11, 11, uh, which is a verse we talk about a lot in our work among scattered Jewish communities. It says uh, that in that day, and it, I believe we're living in that day, it's this idea that Isaiah saw this day yet to come. Not the first return of the exiles from, uh, from Israel and Judah when they came back from Babylon 70 years after the exile and rebuilt the second temple. But he was saying, in that day, the Lord will stretch out his hand a second time. So that means the first time was the, re- the, the return to Israel from Babylon. But then there were these other communities, Carly, uh, in the northern kingdom of Israel, these 10 northern tribes, other than Judah, Benjamin, and Levi, who were exiled under the Assyrian Empire. And they didn't come back 70 years later. They stayed in exile. And yet Isaiah saw, okay, there's going to be this day when God would stretch out his hand, it says, the second time to regather the exiles of Israel who are left among the nations. So will they all survive? No. But will there be a remnant? Yes. And it says he'll regather the dispersed of Judah. And it starts listing these places. It says from Hamat, from Patan, from Cush. And when we look at this, it's actually the entirety of the Middle East into Central Asia. And then Cush was the ancient kingdom of Ethiopia, which don't think of the current political borders of Ethiopia, you know, tucked in between Eritrea and Somalia and Kenya and Uganda. Think of pretty much the entire eastern seaboard of Africa. 
okay? Because the kingdom of Kush at the time when this was written was much of the African continent, at least East Africa, okay? And it says that God's going to stretch out his hand, and what we can understand by that is extend his power in a specific direction for a specific purpose. And that purpose, it says in Isaiah 11, is to regather the outcasts of Israel from the places where they've been scattered. And then verse 12 of chapter 11 in Isaiah says that God will raise a banner for the nations when he regathers the children of Israel, the outcasts of Israel. And what does that mean? A banner says, here's what's happening now, right? And here's who's responsible for it. Like you think of, you know, a banner, there's going to be a parade on Sunday and it's going to be put on by the city of Phoenix. Here's what's going on and here's who's doing it. Uh, hear ye, hear ye kind of thing. And so there's this idea buried in Isaiah 11, 11, that God specifically regathering scattered Jewish communities out of exile back to the land of Israel is actually supposed to be like a headline, a newsflash, a banner for the nations. How do we know God exists? You know, I heard, you know, this famous preacher back in the day said, my friends, how do we know God is real? Simple, the existence and the preservation of the Jewish people. And we kind of go, okay, that's cute. But really think about it. This people group who's been persecuted and scattered and misunderstood and isolated century after century continues to exist. And not just in places like New York City, or Los Angeles, or London, or Tel Aviv, or Jerusalem. Now, as the world becomes smaller, and social media's out there, and the internet's out there, and people are traveling more, we're starting to see these communities emerge who say, hey, our fathers told us what their fathers told them, and it's that we are from the house of Israel. We are, in, he in Hebrew, Am Israel, the people of Israel. We know who we are. We've been persecuted for it, but we've never forgotten who we are, and we want to go home, meaning to the land of Israel. The Ethiopian Jewish community has this saying that's been around, I don't even know how long, let's call it at least centuries, and it says, the hungry go to food and the thirsty go to water, but I will go to Jerusalem. Well, where's that coming from? Is this just a good idea? Somebody read a Bible one day and said, I want to go to Jerusalem? No, it's this, I mean, it sounds a little bit weird, almost like this this tracking beam, right? Like this this internal this internal draw in the hearts of scattered Jewish communities that says, we know we come from Israel and one day we'll return there. And how do we know that? Because our fathers told us we would. And how do they know that? Because their fathers told them. And how did they know that? Rewind, because Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel wrote down and told Israel what God spoke through them, that though I scatter you, and make no mistake, you deserve it for your disobedience. I'm not going to leave you where I left you, where I scattered you. I'm going to regather you. And so the whole basis for talking at all about the idea of scattered Jewish communities, especially, you know, we're going to give a couple examples in a minute from Africa. The to, to answer the for real question that you're asking, Carly, the best way I can say it is let's look at the scriptures. And this is my, my challenge to the Christian and Jewish audience listening today. If we're willing to believe that the Bible is actually the living word of God written by a living God, and it's not just a cute storybook about the Jewish people, and if we're willing to believe that God is well able to keep the promises he's made because he's a faithful promise-keeping God, then let's look at these scriptures and not kind of poeticize them or, you know, make them into something cute for the church. Let's say, wait a minute, God said he's actually going to regather Jewish people from specific places on the earth where they were scattered. And how does that apply to what's happening today in the world? So that's the scriptural basis. If you're not buying that, 
then there's no really no reason to go on and listen to us because it could be something we made up. But if you're willing to entertain the possibility that the scriptures are real and that the promises of God are as real and applicable today as they were the day that they were written through Moses and the prophets, uh, then, then we can go on and we can talk about, hey, where do we see these communities actually emerging in the world and what's their story? So if you're listening to this and you have no idea what Ezra's talking about, I would say you're not alone because a lot of people don't know about this or haven't read these scriptures or in this context. We actually have done a few other episodes on the Lost Tribes, so you can go back and listen to those to get even more historical context and detail about where the people are and who the people are. Um, but don't feel like this is something that's just so far-fetched. Go and, and look up the, the verses and um, learn more about it. So Ezra, you're talking about this with a lot of experience in your own life, but you know, rewind back to a young Ezra. Right. Did you know, like, did you, were you taught this? Did you know about it? How did you come to understand I wasn't it? taught it. And really in my early 20s, you know, I started reading the Bible again with this idea that maybe the uh, unavoidable direction God was bringing my life was to serving Jewish people. Uh, and as a Jewish believer, of course, serving them in the name of the one I believe to be our Messiah, Jesus, Yeshua in Hebrew. But my understanding of what that meant growing up in New York, Jewish family on my father's side, primarily Ashkenazi, which means from you know a, a European background, was when I thought of Jewish people, when I thought of serving the Jewish people, of course there's Israelis, and I knew you know there were people from all kind, all places there, you know, from Ukraine and Russia, and there were Iraqis, and there were what's called Mizrahis, Jews from the east, you know, who came from uh, Syria and Iran and uh, other other parts of the Middle East. I got that in the sense that yes, there's Jewish people in Israel, but my concept of Jewish people, if you will, at that time was really what what the mainstream Jewish community thinks of. It's people who are understood in rabbinic Judaism to be Jewish because we have documents and wedding certificates and synagogue records and records of bar and bat mitzvahs for, for children and children's children that go back where there's this confidence that yes, we're part of the mainstream Jewish community and we know that because we have the documents and the history to prove it, okay? so. I would think of the Los Angeles Jewish community, or I would think of the London Jewish community, or you know the South American. I had heard of and never visited the South American Jewish community in Brazil and Argentina. And, and let me just say a parenthesis here, you know, kind of self-disclosure. Generally, those people looked like me. What I mean, what do I mean by that? Is yeah, I understood there were the Sephardic Jews from you know Spain and Portugal who maybe you know looked a little bit more Mediterranean, olive skin. But the typical Jewish image in my mind, as I thought about serving my you know my people, was primarily a Jewish person of European or Mediterranean descent. Okay, who sort of looked a little bit like me and had some history that was recognized by the larger Jewish community. It didn't necessarily cross my mind that there were Jewish people who looked entirely different, lived in places I had maybe never heard of or never thought Jewish communities could live, and who, while identifying as from Israel in their own identity, didn't uh, understand Shabbat, you know, the Sabbath day, didn't pray the same prayers as I prayed, didn't bake the same bread every weekend as I baked, didn't have the same holiday traditions as I had grown up with, 
et cetera, et cetera. Their, their, their faith in the God of Israel didn't look like mine, and yet they were identifying as Jewish. And so did I know the scriptures? You know, in my 20s, as I started to kind of prepare for a life of serving the Jewish people and read Ezekiel and read Isaiah and read Jeremiah, and these promises opened up to me, and I'm like, wow, God has a lot to say about his plans and purposes for, for Israel and for the Jewish people in the world. But it was almost more an idea. Like the idea of I'll scatter, I'll gather you from all the places I've scattered you. I kind of thought, yeah, that's happened. Look, the state of Israel, you know, at that time was 60-something years old. God's doing it. It's happened. And it didn't occur to me that maybe it's still happening. And maybe there's Jewish communities that are largely off the radar of the mainstream Jewish community who are still out there and still... Uh, not yet regathered to the land of Israel, or even restored to the larger uh, people of Israel in terms of relationship. So how did you then come to realize or find out that there were Jewish communities in Africa and then even go to visit them? Sure. Uh, I heard about this ministry called Jewish Voice, and I had known you know, the, the president and CEO, Jonathan Burnus from you know, my days growing up in Rochester, New York, before he moved to Russia to uh, serve the, to the Jewish community in former Soviet Union in the 90s. Uh, but we had fallen out of touch for 15 years. And so I heard, hey, there's this, this group called Jewish Voice out of Phoenix. Whatever they're doing in Phoenix, I don't know. But they're going to Ethiopia, and they're serving this Ethiopian Jewish community, which, frankly, was not on my radar at all. And maybe our audience is resonating now. Like, Ethiopian Jewish? Yeah, that sounds weird. I don't get it. Tell me more. Uh, and so as I started to, to read about it and started actually, you know, self-disclosure, I went on Google and just said Ethiopian Jews, Beta Israel, you know, House of Israel uh, in Amharic, because that's what the community calls itself by and large. I started to see pictures of people who didn't look like me and yet did. And what do I mean by that? They're obviously, they look Ethiopian. You know, they're, they're brown skinned. They're, you know, sub-Saharan African uh, living in the Horn of Africa. And yet, here's these people with Shabbat candles, and here's these people in synagogues with stars of David on the wall, and here's these men wearing kippahs, you know, yarmulkes, the head covering, you know, the little round head covering that, that Jewish men wear often during worship. And I went, what's going on here? Because these people, by and large, don't speak Hebrew. I've never heard of them in my life. They don't look like me. They don't talk like me. They don't celebrate their holidays like me. They don't make matzah the way that I know that matzah is supposed to be made, which means you go you know, to, to uh, the grocery store and buy a box of Manischewitz matzah, and, and yet here they are keeping a Jewish identity. What's going on? And so out of curiosity and kind of what I'll say the prompting of the Lord, I said, I have to figure this out for myself. I got to go see it. So I went with Jewish Voice and we went to the capital city, Addis Ababa, but then we went north uh, a week later into, like literally when we landed at the airport on a propeller plane and the bus takes us out of the airport, there's goats blocking the road. And I thought, where on earth am I? Like, get me out of here. So we drive through the goats, didn't kill them. They, they moved out of the way. Uh, they didn't become dinner. And go to this really rural community on the side of a hill and here's this house of prayer, Carly, with a star of David painted blue on its roof. And here's these people living in what to me felt like Timbuktu, the middle of nowhere, like the farthest of the farthest, telling me, looking me in the eye through a translator and saying, we know that we come from Israel. And because of that, 
were understood to be cursed in our neighborhood, and we, our relatives have been killed for our Jewish identity. But one day God will take us home to Jerusalem. And I'm shocked because all of a sudden these verses that were meaningful to me, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Zephaniah says in, 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 verse, in chapter 3, verse 10 of Zephaniah, it says, from beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, from beyond the rivers of Cush, my worshipers, the daughter of my dispersed ones, will bring me an offering. And we can, you know, we can do the hermeneutics here, fancy word. We can, we can unpack the scripture and go, okay, who did God disperse? He dispersed the Jewish people. So the descendants of dispersed Jewish people are going to come from beyond the rivers of Ethiopia. And here I am sitting near the rivers of Ethiopia, meeting, if you will, the daughters of God's dispersed ones, the descendants of Jewish people who were kicked out of Israel thousands of years before. And here they are sitting in front of me today. And scriptures that were 2D all of a sudden became 3D. And in the case of the Ethiopian Jewish community, there's 100 and, at the time it was 140-something thousand. Now it's over 160,000 Ethiopian Israelis, some of whom are second and third generation, living in Israel, serving in the Israeli Defense Force, speaking Hebrew as a first language, not the Amharic and the Tigrinya that their parents spoke in Ethiopia. So the, the Ethiopian Jewish community in recent years, as more and more are returning to the land of Israel, are recognized. They're slowly, slowly being accepted by the mainstream Jewish community, even though they, they historically haven't looked, talked, or behaved like the mainstream Jewish community or the European Israeli Jewish community. And so that got me thinking as I came home from Ethiopia and then as I went again to Ethiopia and I went again and I went again because I was so taken with the reality of the, the current existence of scattered Jewish communities and, huh, what could the Lord be up to now with these communities if he's really the promise keeper? And then I started thinking, well, wait a minute, what about the communities that aren't yet making Aliyah, okay? Meaning immigrating to Israel? What about the communities nobody's willing or ready to recognize? What about the communities who are completely off the radar of the mainstream Jewish community and yet have a similar story to the Ethiopians? We know that we're Israel. We'll die for that identity. In many cases, we are dying because of that identity, but we're never giving it up because we know where we came from and we believe God will bring us home. Where are they? Who are they? And who's talking to them? Who's saying, hey, God knows where you are. He hasn't forgotten you. We have the word of God, the scriptures to prove it. Uh, and, and, and let's have a conversation. Let's get to know each other. So I imagine it was almost like if a uh, Christian goes to Israel for the first time and they start seeing all these places and things that they've read about in their Bible, but, right. th- but have come to life now because they're literally standing there. Sure. Uh, and, and that's what, that's often what we talk about in the Christian world is you go to Israel, you know, experience the Bible through through a different lens. Right. But now you're in Africa experiencing things, like you said, written in the Bible and, you know, looking at them right there. Did you then go back to some of the other countries like Zimbabwe or other places that we go? Yeah, in Zimbabwe, you know, our, our audience may be listening and going, okay, I was tracking with you with Ethiopia. I've seen Ethiopian Israelis in pictures. Wait, 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 Zimbabwe, like for real? But again, remember, let's use Zephaniah 310 as one example, right? From beyond the rivers of Ethiopia. Okay, so again, go with me for a minute on the, the assumption that God means what he says and that nothing in the Bible is by accident and that when there's specific promises given regarding specific places, they mean what they say. So 
the rivers of Ethiopia at the time this was written were really, I mean, those who don't know, the Nile River starts in Ethiopia. And there's all these other kind of major water systems that either come through or start in and around Ethiopia. And so when you look at a map and say beyond the rivers, you're talking about pretty much most, if not all, of sub-Saharan Africa. Okay, so there's dispersed descendants of the Jewish people from beyond the rivers of Ethiopia. In 2012, we made a trip to Zimbabwe, flew into Harare, took a seven-seat you know, prop plane down to a very rural area, and then drove four or five hours and ended up under a mango tree with a chief from the Lemba community and his elders called Headman, and we're sitting on rocks eating maize porridge, and the, here's this group of community headmen telling us, we know that we come from there. When we said, who are you and where do you come from? And when they said there, they, they all like motioned with their neck north. There. Well, wh- where's there? There. And they looked at each other. And finally, we said, where is it that you're saying you come from? And finally, they spilled the beans. They said, we come from Israel. And we're the house of Aaron. And we said, what do you mean the house of Aaron? There's the house of Levi, right? Like one of the 12 scattered tribes is Levi, the priestly tribe. And they said, yes, 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 but we're the house of Aaron. Well, how do you know that? Well, we were the priests under Ezra and Nehemiah who refused to divorce our pagan wives when Ezra and Nehemiah and Zerubbabel brought the exiles back from Babylon and said, be done with your pagan wives. They're compromising your faith in the God of Israel. Divorce them and return to the God of Israel. And they said, the Lemba elders are saying, our fathers told us that we refused to divorce those wives and so we left. We took our families and we took our things and we set out on foot out of the land of Israel through Yemen, through Saudi Arabia, across on that ancient spice route, you know, across into the eastern seaboard of Africa, and over the centuries made our way south beyond the rivers of Ethiopia. That's Ezra's commentary, not what they said, but made our way south uh, and eventually settled in southern Africa, in Zimbabwe, in South Africa, in Mozambique, and Zambia. And we start talking to them. Okay, well, t- tell us about, you know, let's, let's get to know this, this group a little bit more. What do you eat? Well, we don't eat pork because it's unclean. Well, who told you that? Did some missionaries come tell you? No, no, no. Our fathers have told us that for centuries. Well, how do you marry? We only marry in the tribe. Why? Because it's the most important thing to stay Lamba. Now, mind you, they've, they never said Jewish. They didn't even know the word. We said, well, what else do you call yourselves? And they said, Judah. Well, where do you come from? Israel. Interesting. But for them, Lemba meant everything, Carly, that I would understand to mean Jewish. Well, why didn't they say Jewish? If you're Jewish, say Jewish. The word Jewish came about a few centuries before Jesus walked on earth. But at the time, Israel wasn't the Jewish people. Israel was the people of Israel. And so you're going, huh, their self-identity aligns with their oral history of having left, you know, in the four or five hundreds BC, left the people of Israel. And so this whole worldwide, really rabbinically informed Jewish community is developed, and yet they've been separated from it, but they never forgot who they are. And then finally, you know, a few years ago, we did some DNA testing. Is DNA the be-all and end-all of understanding Jewish identity? No, not necessarily, but it's an indicator. You know, it's a signpost on the road. And sure enough, 
a number of these Lemba elders' DNA came back as historically Semitic. There's this key marker that's also found in 99 point something percent of people in the world who are named Cohen or Levite, Levy today, where it's like, okay, there's a clear uh, tracing of their Jewish identity to, to historic times. The Lemba have that same DNA haplotype, that same marker. And so now the DNA confirms what they've been telling us. Here's a community who doesn't know the Ethiopian Jewish community, let alone any Israeli Jews, let alone any North American Jews, other than these, this group from Jewish Voice that they've just met. And yet here they are saying, we know that we come from Israel and one day God will bring us back. So that's really the story of the Lemba in a nutshell. And again, right, on the one hand, you go, this is nuts. How is it in sub-Saharan Africa? But then go back to the Bible. Are there specific promises for specific scattered Jewish people groups in specific parts of the world? And if we believe that those promises are true, could it be that the Lemba are yet another way, another, another example that the living God of Israel and God of all nations, peoples, tribes, and tongues is still keeping his promises today? You know, Ezra, this is all so normal for you. Like, it's something you know about. You've been a million times. Like, I think to you, you're like, why is this even interesting? But like, as you're talking, I'm thinking you probably have tens of thousands of stories like this that you could tell that are totally new for a Christian to hear. Mm -hmm. Like, I've heard you talk a million times and I have not heard you tell this story exactly like this. So it's so much more fascinating and interesting than you probably think it is because, you know, it's just become part of what you do. Right, right. And so I'm thinking about the the Christians that are listening or those who are Jewish that are listening, mm -hmm. you know, what does this mean for them? Right. And that's a great question. You know, that people may be listening and going, well, this was very fascinating. Like, you know, it helped me pass the time on the subway ride from Queens to Manhattan, but Penn Station's coming up in three minutes. Like, what does this have to do with me? Right. So my challenge, first of all, to uh, a Christian audience, a Christian listener, is that I'd really ask us, I'd really ask you to think again if you've written off a big chunk of the Bible as just poetry or niceties or things that maybe were about this people called Israel, but now should somehow be reinterpreted for the church because God's done with Israel and it's all about the church. Think again that if we really believe the Bible is true, okay? If we really believe that it's the living word written by a living God, then perhaps we should take the scriptures in their literal meaning and trust God to keep the promises he's made unless we have a specific reason not to. And so when we see verses like the whole house of Israel or all the scattered tribes of Israel or God's saying, you know, in Ezekiel 11, I'll regather you, Israel, from all the places where I've scattered you or the daughter of God's dispersed ones from beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, be open to the possibility that that's really happening and look for it. Look for it. Don't write it off as allegory. Don't write it off as fiction or poetry or niceties. Look for it because God is still doing something with what we can call the whole house of Israel. And that's my other challenge for the Christian audience is when we talk about the Jewish people, be open to the possibility that that's more than the black coat uh, Kipa wearing Jewish person you're thinking of walking down the streets of New York or more than the uh, uh, Israeli, you know, you see in the movies, 
okay, that there's scattered Jewish peoples wherever they are in the world, God hasn't forgotten who and where they are. So when we say the people of Israel, that's not just the ones you know, it's the ones the world's just now getting to know who have never forgotten who they are. And also for a Christian audience, I hope this is faith building. Like the, the Ethiopian Jewish community as an example, wow, if God can keep his promises to a people group for 2,500 years, do we wish it would have happened earlier? You know, the, the identification and the regathering, God bringing the Ethiopian Jewish community home to Israel, so to speak. Would it have been great? Would there have been less uh, loss of life and persecution had it happened earlier? Sure. And yet, 2,500 years later, God still kept his promise. So if that's true for a people whom he scattered because of their disobedience in his anger, but still remembers and loves, uh, could it also be true for us? So that's my encouragement, is let the, let the story of the regathering of the outcasts of Israel build your faith as a Christian. God's a promise keeper, and we can hold him to that. Mm-hmm. And Israel's an example. And, and like you said, I mean, Christians might not know about the lost tribes of Israel, but neither do Jewish people. Right. And that's my challenge for our Jewish audience is be open to more than the possibility, the reality that a God who scattered our people around the earth knows who and where we are. And when we think of our Jewish people, that needs to include communities who don't look, think, pray, celebrate the holidays, eat, talk, joke, marry, bury, etc., like we do. And yet, if they are who they say they are, they're indeed our brethren. They're they're our brethren in the house of Israel. They're our fellow Jewish people. And so before, you know, the, the Ethiopian Jewish community, Carly, was a joke for decades until all of a sudden they weren't. And so if there's a community you're thinking of, if you're a Jewish listener, you know, the Lemba, come on. Think again. Think again. Because if they are who they say they are, then maybe we have more of a responsibility to, to form some relationships with them rather than just to criticize and write off what we don't understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. To those listening, I hope this was thought-provoking enough for you to go and do some research on your own, whether it's listen to some of our past episodes or to just go look at some of the scriptures that Ezra mentioned. Those will be in the show notes if you want to look at those. But as we mentioned at the top of this episode— We actually have Lost Tribes Coffee, which probably makes sense now that we explained this. That comes directly from Ethiopia. You can win a bag of that if you enter at ajewandagentiledisgust.org. So go over there and do that, and you can learn more about the Lost Tribes as well. If you want to hear more episodes of this podcast, subscribe wherever you get this podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback. You can email us or leave us a review. Share this podcast with someone you know. Please also follow us and engage with us on social media at the handle A Jew and a Gentile Discuss. We're so grateful for those who are listening and engaging with us. We love to read your questions and your comments. So we hope you join us next week for another episode. And thanks for listening today. The show is a production of Jewish Voice Ministries International.